20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packer fans? Happy Packers game day. Welcome into another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Today, we're going to be going over everything to watch for in Packers-Seahawks noon kickoff, an interesting kickoff for a preseason game at Lambeau. I was thinking that, oh, obviously, it's going to be one of the you know NFL Network featured games at noon on Saturday. It's not. It's not even one of the featured games. So I'm not exactly sure why it happened and why it's not a night game, but here we are. It's a noon game. I know Matt LaFleur was kind of happy about it. At least it seemed like he was because it's a little bit more uh, like an actual like noon kickoff. Um, he didn't know what uh, that the the you know Bears game was like a three thirty kickoff or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, still, I think this is getting him into a little bit more of a rhythm with his team, which is always a good thing. But nonetheless, here we are, final preseason game. So let's jump in right away and go over what we should be watching for as the Packers take on the Seahawks at Lambeau. First and foremost, it's going to be who doesn't play in this game. And this is a pretty big game for a variety of different reasons. A, some of like the starting battles, specifically at safety, which we'll talk about. B, some of the back of the roster, 53-man roster battles, which also we're going to talk about. And then C, you know, some of the, you know, practice squad, like the, you know, 14th, 15th, 16th practice squad spots and who ultimately, you know, grabs those and, and and takes those spots is probably going to be up for grabs here too. And if you're any of those fringe players at any of those levels, whether it be a borderline starter, a borderline 53 roster player, or a borderline practice squad player, you're going to want to be able to play in this game. Now there's a few players that did not practice that at least didn't seem like totally completely out of the realm of practicing and who could really use to play in this game. Game. The first is Anthony Johnson Jr. As mentioned on Wednesday's practice, he came out to practice, didn't look right, went and got wrapped, then came back out again, tried to practice, didn't look right, and ended up shutting it down for the day, and then didn't practice Thursday. PR told us that it was not you know, expected to be anything major at all. He's probably a player that would love to play in this game on Saturday. I'm sure Green Bay is going to be extra cautious with him, but I can't say that he's got a roster spot locked up. So he would, I'm sure, love to play in this game. He's definitely going to be a priority practice squad player at worst, but a does he, you know, can he make it on the 53? And again, if he doesn't play in this game, that certainly makes it a little bit more complicated, right? I think he's probably in no matter what, but who knows at this point? You know, a couple other players. Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols. We haven't seen Lou Nichols in a while and and certainly not in preseason. And Tyler Goodson was hurt in that first preseason game. These are two running backs that are wanting to do everything in their power to be able to go out and show that they're ready to play. Both of them were practicing off to the side. I've talked about this in the past. Usually Hudson Center means you're still a ways away. If you're out on the practice field and sort of warming up with a trainer, usually that means you're closer. The two players that were warming up with a trainer, Tyler Goodson, Lou Nichols, if both of them could get cleared for Saturday, heck, even five to 10 snaps in the game could go a long way if they could show themselves even just a little bit more. So who doesn't play in this game is going to be very interesting, not in the normal context of which starters are going to be out for the game, but 
who, you know, which one of these borderline roster players or borderline starters or borderline practice squad players are not going to be able to play in this game? Is there any surprise inactives? Is, you know, who knows? But I think that's going to be a bigger piece of the story. As far as like the top of the lineup, I would still expect David Bakhtiari not to play. I know Matt LaFleur said it's all hands on deck for this game. That does not include Bakhtiari. At least I would not think so. I would expect Aaron Jones maybe to get his classic one carry on the first play and then probably be done again. And then I, you know, we'll see if with guys like Jair Alexander if he plays or not. But overall, that's going to be the first thing that I'm looking for. Number two is no matter what happens, this is Jordan Love's final warm-up prior to Packers Bears regular season and truly the start of his reign as the Packers quarterback. How long that reign goes and you know what that becomes is a whole nother story. But this is the last tune-up before that first game in Chicago, and you would love to see Jordan go off on a high note. He's had a really nice training camp overall, certainly some accuracy issues from time to time. He's taking great care of the football more often than not. I think he's really tested the limits of what he's capable of. His mechanics look great. His cadence is amazing. His command of the offense is fantastic. He's consistently known where to go with the football, when to go there, and then more specifically, when to buy time, how to keep his eyes downfield, when to scramble. Just like he's had answers to everything that's been asked of him. This is the final tune-up, like he, like I said. If he goes out and he stinks it up, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to stink it up at any point this season or against Chicago. If he goes out and dominates, it certainly does not mean that he's going to go out and dominate this season or dominate against Chicago. So we certainly still need to take it with a grain of salt, but you would like to see him continue the progress that he's made already in training camp and in preseason and cap it off with a finale. And that would be, you know, certainly setting him and the Packers offense up in the right direction as they get ready to take on Chicago in Chicago on week one. So we're still very much, uh, let's say, overanalyzing Jordan Love film and, and play at this point. So anything that he puts on tape is still, I think, fresh and new and exciting. So we're still seeing if he you know, how he responds to everything. Everything is still very new for us watching Jordan Love. So there's still going to be an excitement to watch him, whether he's out there one series, two series, three series, we'll, we'll sort of have to wait and see. Matt LaFleur said it's going to all be based off of feel once again, but we're going to keep a very, very close eye on Jordan and what he's capable of and what he ultimately does in this game. Number three, and this is clearly and by far and away the most important thing. Well, maybe number 10 is most important, which we'll go over at the end. But number three is the second most important and that's the roster battles in this game, right? Usually I get into, and, I, and as I have gotten into in the last two preseason, preseason games, some of the fun matchups that we could watch, like some of the rookies for the Bengals against some of the rookies for the Packers and some things like that. And some of those actually came to fruition and were pretty darn fun to watch. I mentioned uh, Booty for the Patriots against Carrington Valentine. That one came to fruition. Booty got the better of that battle. That does no, no longer here nor there. But I'm not going over those today. The reason being is, A, they don't generally really matter all that much anyway, but B, this is really about the Packers and their individual roster battles more than it is a Packer versus a Seahawk, right? This is going to be, you know, Grant DuBose versus Malik Heath versus Samore Toure and who can make a name for themselves in this game. And like, that's the first one on, on my list is these wide receivers. I still think they keep seven. And I think DuBose, Malik Heath and Samore Toure are all on the roster, but that's not a guarantee. 
and they could go in a few different directions. And I think, you know, if, if one of these guys wants to get a leg up on the other two, going out and dominating against Seattle would be a great way to do that. I think Malik Heath has been really, really good this preseason and brings something different to the table as a physical possession wide receiver who can go out and run block. I think he has a really great chance of making this team, but you want to see that continued in this game and him showing going out and showing exactly what he can do on a consistent basis. Samore Toure asked me two weeks ago, I would have said he is a lock. He's not going anywhere. These last two weeks have been pretty nondescript for Samore Toure. I want to see him take a step. I want to see him win downfield. You know, early in, in camp and in OTAs and mini camps, he was winning at all three levels, short, intermediate, deep. And we just haven't seen that out of Toure lately. In fact, we've we've seen a lot of highlight level plays from almost every other wide receiver except for Samore Toure. So I want to see him take a step and then Grant Dubose. Dubose is a player, didn't get OTAs, mini camps, you know, first part of training camp, first preseason game. But over the last couple of weeks, he came back and he came back strong. And I've been really impressed with what he's put on tape, not only as a receiver, but as a blocker, same thing in training camp. I'm excited to see what he can do in the third preseason game as well. But Grant Dubose, Malik Heath, Samore Toure, the first roster battle that I'm looking at. The second one isn't necessarily a player versus a player, but I really want to watch Caleb Jones in this game. You know, this is a player who didn't get to play in the second preseason game, who was on the 53-man roster a season ago, who if he gets latched on you, the rep is over. You're not beating him. It's just, it's done. You're he, If he gets you in a phone booth, like you're not going to get him beat. It doesn't matter who you are. I, it just, it just doesn't. He's that good at the point of attack. Now, some of the footwork, the technique work, and certainly speed off the edge can bother him as well. If he can't get his hands on you, it's obviously advantage defensive lineman or edge rusher. But I've been super impressed with what he's been able to accomplish over the last couple of seasons and sort of making a name for himself as an undrafted free agent. I think there's still a lot of untapped potential there. But we talked yesterday in the potential you know, shocking roster cuts. Could Yash Nyman be gone? I still expect Yash on the roster. And if that's the case, Bakhtiari, Zach Tom, Yash Nyman, Rashid Walker. You got four tackles on that list. And if they don't want to keep a fifth, they'd rather maybe keep an interior player. Then maybe Caleb Jones is the odd man out. If he wants to stay on that roster, he needs to have a really nice day against Seattle. Hello, friends. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to and being a supporter of the Packaday podcast. You've all helped make Packaday one of the most downloaded sports podcasts in the world today. And I want to sincerely thank you for that. For those of you who don't know, Packaday is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's our partnership with Blue Wire that allows us to bring you this amazing Packers content 365 days a year. Blue Wire currently has over 300 shows with former athletes, celebrities, media professionals, and passionate fans like us. Over the past few years, they've raised over $10 million to grow and operate business and support podcasts like the Packaday Podcast. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round of funding by utilizing WeFunder. This funding will help support Blue Wire sales team and improve operations. This is giving everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing company. This is not a donation. You are literally investing to own a piece of Blue Wire. A few years ago, I took the leap and started partnering with Blue Wire, and it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I'm hoping you'll consider doing the same. If you would like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. That's wefunder.com slash bluewire. And remember, supporting Blue Wire is another way to support the Packaday podcast and our Packaday podcast team. Thank you. 
Hello friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Next is Brenton Cox versus Justin Hollins. And it's not just as pass rushers, but it's on special teams as well. If Brenton Cox can show that he can go out and be a menace on special teams, that would certainly help his cause quite a bit. But at the end of the day, this probably comes down to Justin Hollins and what he can bring you this year versus the upside of Brenton Cox long-term. If Cox goes out and has a two or three sack game and just like really shows out, now Brian Gudikins is going to be, you know, not only maybe wanting to keep Brenton Cox, but maybe more worried that he could get claimed by another team. Same thing with Justin Hollins. If he goes and balls out, you know, that that's another situation where if he gets released, another team could easily be interested in him. So for Cox and Hollins, might only be one spot, four spots ahead of them taken. Enigbari, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, LVN, those four spots locked in hundred percent. No, you know, none of those four guys are going anywhere, right? That fifth spot could be between the two. They could keep six, and I think that's a real possibility as well. But if it's only five, this is the old joker broken, you know, breaking the pool cue in half and saying, hey, may the best man win sort of situation. Obviously, they're not fighting each other, but they're going to have to fight off some Seahawks if they want to win that final spot. Next up is Jonathan Ford, the defensive lineman. Same thing as Caleb Jones, mammoth human being who maybe not you know, isn't going against Chris Slayton and, you know, Luan and, and those in Moultrie, etc. He's more going against, is it more important to keep Jonathan Ford as a sixth defensive lineman than it is a Brenton Cox as a sixth edge rusher, than it is a Malik Heath or a Grant Dubose as a seventh wide receiver, than it is a Dallin Levitt or a Jonathan Owens as a fifth or sixth safety or an Anthony Johnson Jr. He's not necessarily competing against fellow defensive linemen, but he is competing against fellow you know, roster mates that could be on the fringe of that 53-man roster. Now, I like what Jonathan Ford brings to the table. I think he is worthwhile of keeping as a sixth defensive lineman. I actually like activating all six defensive linemen because I think they all bring something different to the table as well. But if they don't think he's going to be active on game days, if they think that's going to be Clark, Slayton, Wyatt, Brooks, and Wooden, then they could go in a different direction. Where I sort of stand on it, he was so bad and just not ready last year, and they kept him on the 53-man roster. And now he actually looks like he can be a rotational player and add maybe some value to the team. It's hard to imagine they cut him now when 
the whole hope of keeping him on the 53 last year was that he did what he did this year and actually make a jump and show that he could be capable of competing on this team. So we'll see. I think he's on the team, but he needs to go out and have a really nice day as well. Jonathan Owens and Rudy Ford. I think you could see those two safeties play a lot. We know, you know, I would say Tavares Moore probably not going to play. I would lean towards Anthony Johnson Jr. not playing and Savage probably doesn't play much either. You could see a half really of Rudy Ford and Jonathan Owens to go out and prove themselves. I think you could even see more out of Jonathan Owens. So those two players really have an opportunity to try to solidify their spots. I think Rudy Ford is in. I think Jonathan Owens is out, but that can change in a, you know really fast if either of these guys have really bad games or really great games. And we'll see what this game brings for those two safeties. At corner, Corey Ballantyne, Keandre Thomas, Shamar John Charles, Anis Gaines, all four of them I have no idea who's the next guy up at that fifth corner spot, assuming Valentine, Keyshawn Nixon, Jair Alexander, and um, obviously Razul Douglas, and, and assuming Eric Stokes isn't ready yet, that fifth corner could be totally up for grabs. If you told me that any of these guys made it as the fifth, I would believe you. If you told me that they all got cut and they kept four, I would believe you. So this is a, a spot that's really up for grabs. Special teams going to play a huge factor here, but if any of them can go out and play really good corner in this game... It's going to certainly help them as well. Inside linebacker, Tariq Carpenter versus Eric Wilson. I actually think Eric Wilson is the better linebacker. They're both really great at special teams. If you can only keep one, maybe Wilson has the advantage because he can play linebacker right now. But Wilson, older, one-year contract, veteran. Tariq Carpenter, still young, former seventh-round pick, really great on special teams too. They could go either direction here, but this is another great battle for those two. And then the special teams, the kicker, Anders Carlson, what does he do in this game? You know, and, and is there like if he completely shanks like three or four kicks, is he finally really legitimately on the roster bottle, uh, bubble, excuse me, or does he just make the team no matter what? But either way, you'd like to see him kick well. Punter, Daniel Whelan, Pat O'Donnell, this is going down to the wire, the long snapper battle. And then, of course, anyone that shines out in coverage for, you know, the, the Corey Ballantines, the Keandre Thomases, the Rudy Fords, the Owens, the Hollinses, the Bretton Coxes, any of those guys that show out well on special teams, certainly it helps their opportunity to make the 53 man roster as well. So, those are the roster battles that I'm watching. The number four thing that I'm watching is Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan has put together two pretty nice weeks in preseason. His first week had a couple plays that were really ugly, but was pretty pretty darn good the rest of the game outside of those two plays. Last week, I thought he was even better and really showed that he is a capable run blocker. He, he's just continuing to increase the level that he's playing at, going from complete disaster a year ago to an OTAs and minicamp still wasn't putting it together to a couple hiccups in week one to really a really nice solid game in week two of preseason. Can he take that one step further? Interior offensive line, the depth is not great. Jake Hansen cut this week. I, you know, Royce Newman, I think everyone at this point, I'm never cheering for someone to get released. I hope he just starts playing great, but I don't know what to do with Royce at this point. He's he's at a really, really bad training camp in preseason, and he just doesn't look ready to play at any position at this point. So if that's the case, like you're really starting to search for some interior offensive lineman who could potentially help you out in a pinch. Sean Ryan is closest to that. I would love to see him take another jump and really start trending in the right direction where if you did need Sean Ryan to play, you're not in panic mode and being like, oh man, you are completely screwed at left guard or right guard, wherever he plays. He's shown some real signs. Can he continue that this upcoming week? Number five, Jadakus Bonds and Keyshawn Banks had really nice weeks and have really started to stack success. 
they're practice squad candidates. I don't think either of them are in the real legitimate 53-man roster conversation, but if they can continue their play, I think they're very much in both of them in play for practice squad spots and potentially could even further their you know opportunity where if you need to call a guy up at receiver or edge rusher, they're more at the top of the list. But I've really liked what I've seen out of these two players, two players that I didn't necessarily have high expectations for at any point, but they, they've had really nice training camps, especially Bonds as of late with some of the big plays that he's been making. Keyshawn Banks beating Elton Jenkins and you know clean in team activities the other day. So these two players on the up and up, and I want to see what they can do in this game. Number six is a bounce back from Carrington Valentine. Best best player in week one of preseason. Worst player in week two of preseason. So the ups and downs of a seventh round rookie, right? I wasn't overly concerned with week two. I think there's a lot of stuff to learn from, and I think he's going to bounce back. I thought he had a really nice week of practice this week. Now, how does he bounce back in the game? I think he's going to have a really good game against Seattle. Expect him to ball out. Wouldn't be shocking if he had another interception, but I want to see him bounce back from what was a really poor performance in week two of preseason. Number seven is the continued high-end play of some of these younger players. Rasheed Walker, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, Malik Heath, They've all, and really Grant DuBose in limited time as well. I want to see those guys continue to progress, not take the step back. Show that you're you know, really starting to put things together as training camp and preseason comes to a close. All five of those guys, really, really talented. And now I want to see them finish up preseason with a really strong performance and show that they're ready to compete and, and really play whatever role is given to them this regular season and certainly going against Chicago in week one. Number eight is can Lucas Van Ness take another step? Slower start to camp. Week one was tougher. I thought he had a nice game two against the Patriots. Nice week of practice this week. Now, can he continue that progression? Early in camp, you could tell he was thinking out there, trying to put together some sort of pass rush plan. This past week, he's been doing a little bit more of just converting speed to power, doing more bull rushes, attacking half of the offensive tackles, et cetera really being stout against the run. I want to see that continue. He's so talented and he's way too good to not be, you know, uh, you know, ultra talented and ultra, um, you know, I would dominance the wrong word, but uh, a player who's going to be a contributor, even as a rookie in this league. Again, he just has far too much talent. So can he take a step and show that he's ready to be a legitimate contributor early in this season? And again, against week one against the Bears as well. Number nine is who can be the Rashid Walker slash Desmond Howard of this year. Desmond Howard, of course, the legend goes, and it's kind of been debunked a little bit, but he had that return in the last preseason game that really caught everyone's eye and ultimately helped him make the 53-man roster. Of course, the rest was history. He would become the Super Bowl MVP, you know, being a dynamic returner all throughout that regular season and postseason and Super Bowl, of course. And then last year, Rashid Walker didn't get to play or really practice much at all up until the final week in the final preseason game, goes out as a phenomenal final preseason game, makes the 53-man roster, and now might just be the swing tackle for Green Bay this upcoming season. Who can go out and have a phenomenal week three of preseason to the point where Green Bay is just like, man, we can't cut this guy. That's what I'm going to be watching for as well. And then last but not least, I, I teased it earlier, number 10, the most important aspect of this game, injuries. Can Green Bay get out relatively healthy and unscathed and no major major injuries coming out of Packers Seahawks? That is the most important thing in preseason is staying healthy. Of course, you'd like to see growth from your young players and consistency and sure, winning the game is nice too, but that stuff pales in comparison. Get out of that game healthy and start getting ready for Chicago. Final prediction. I got a bold one for you. Packers 20, 
Seahawks 20. Tied, no overtime, just a tie game at the end of regulation, 2020 Packers-Seahawks. That's going to do it for me today. Enjoy the game, everyone. I'll be right back here tomorrow to break everything down. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! Oh,